faced with gifts and things like this. It's quite amazing. Um, I know because I sat and watched Bev, she did most of it. The gifts are wrapped. And uh, it's an important part of the whole thing with Christmas and wrapping up the present. I once spoke to a, a marketing guy, and uh, we were talking about a product. For example, uh, let's stick it with the men, you know, the deodorant spray. And he said, do you know that the marketing and the printing on the can is more expensive than the contents within it? So I said, why don't you then not print it, just do a simple little print, axe for men, and don't do all the other stuff and stick it on the shelf? He said, because it wouldn't sell. He said, marketing sells the product, and the marketing and the packaging is more expensive. And sometimes such a lot of labor goes into the, you know, putting together of the Christmas present. But it's amazing, isn't it, that uh, you pull it out and you give it to the person, and they don't, um, you know, try and unpick it carefully. All the expense on the Christmas paper and the sticky paper and how long it took you to wrap it. They just, you know, because the important thing is the gift inside. And uh, there's a lot that we can say about Christmas and there's a lot that we can say about Jesus coming. But this morning, just in a few minutes, I want to just, let's just get back to the gift itself. Let's get back to the present. Let's get back to Jesus. It's really interesting that when Gabriel came, and I'm assuming it was he that then also appeared to Joseph, but he appeared to Mary and spoke about the fact that she would conceive in the womb, in your womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Everybody say it, Jesus. Now, it's very close to the name that we find also in the Bible, Joshua or Yeshua, which means Savior, because he shall save. And that's what the angel went on to speak to Joseph about, because he was disturbed about the whole occurrence. And then the angel appeared to him in his dreams and said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Woo. Awesome. Amen. And so um, I don't know if you're aware of it, but Joshua is basically Jesus. It's Yeshua. But the name his parents gave him was Hoshea, which means deliverer. But then Moses, when he chose him to send them in as the spies, the 12 spies into the promised land, and Joshua then called him, uh, Jesus then called Hoshea Joshua, which means the Lord saves. And so, very similar name that comes to Jesus, and the instruction is that he shall save his people from their sin. And right there, right there, in the title, succinctly put, you know, precisely pronounced, is the whole purpose of Jesus coming. He is to save his people from their sins, save the world. So we're unwrapping, we're taking away a lot of things, and we're coming back to the gift itself. And so the incredible thing is, in the incredible grace of God, in the incredible, big word, condescension of Jesus coming, his first point of contact with us is not around our goodness. It's not around our intellect. His first point of contact with us is not in the context of our worth and our intrinsic value. His first point of contact with us is not even on how good we were and how righteous we were. His first point of contact with us is that we are sinners. That's his first point of contact. He came to save his people from sin. Now, it's really interesting that in the religious world and in the, the world outside of any kind of you know, religion or Christianity, in the religious world and just in the normal human world, it's really amazing how when you talk to people, everybody has a description of or a view of sin that is other than God's view. 
You know, so you talk to somebody about knowing Jesus and they go, well, I'm a good person. I haven't done anything wrong. Well, that's besides the point. See, from God's point of view, sin is very different from man's point of view. Unless man's point of view is the same as God's point of view. So the whole purpose in him sending Jesus was to save his people from their sins. And so John points it out in John 1.29. He says, behold the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. So I don't know about you, but I'm really thrilled that Jesus came to meet us at our specific, direct point of need. Amen? He didn't come as an example only. That would have been good enough. He didn't come just to demonstrate something. That would have been awesome enough. But he came to our point of need because we needed a Savior, and he came as the one to save us from our sins. And so we need to match up with his point of view. First John chapter 3, verse 8, For this purpose the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. If you look the context of it, it was talking about sin. And so Galatians 1, verse 4 says, Jesus, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and of our Father. I love what Paul said in Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.15. He says, this is a faithful saying, and it's worthy of full or all acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now listen to this. Paul says, amazing. I was meditating on this all night last night to try and give it an explanation. I even woke up and I woke up and it was just 12 and I waited. And when it went just past 12, I said, happy birthday, Jesus. Awesome. awesome. And then I tried to sleep um, after that. I still couldn't. Paul says this. He says, Christ came into the world. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now, Paul puts the word Christ with Jesus. Very, very important. Because you know and I know that Christ means anointed. And so Jesus was specifically anointed to save us from our sins. Nobody else was. Amen? There's no other Savior, no other God, no other human being, no other person. He was specifically anointed to save us from our sin. Now listen, the name Jesus, if it doesn't save us from our sin, is worth nothing. The name Jesus, if he came with the name Jesus, but he could do nothing about our sin, it would mean nothing to anybody, him or us. But he was anointed and appointed to save us from our sin. And so in Acts 10.38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. How he went about doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil. And so we see there that he delivers us from this present evil age. So Christ Jesus, is that okay? Jesus himself said... Um, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He said also he didn't come to serve, uh, be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In the Old Testament, there were demonstrations. There were prefigures. There was foreshadowing of saviors. And God raised up mighty men like Moses. God raised up prophets as well. Moses was a prophet like Samuel, who stood and led a nation. And then there were other prophets as well, and then later priests. But he raised them up. There was a period in the history of Israel where he would raise up judges. Really interesting, seven of them. And the Bible says that whenever the people forgot God, that the enemy would come in and oppress them. And every time they called out to God, God would raise up a judge, a savior. And that Savior would be anointed, and He would deliver Israel from their sin. The thing that we see leading right through the Old Testament was that 
all of those people could only deliver them from the consequences of sin. But never fully save them. So when we come to this, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says this, of whom I am the worst. Now here it is. The Apostle Paul was not the worst of sinners. He was, he was a good sinner. I mean, he, he, he was good. I mean, he was good. Dressed up in religion. I mean, he went and murdered, you know, Christians, thinking that he was doing God a favor, you know. Um, it still happens today. We slander Christians thinking we're doing God a favor. We just murder them. Never mind, it's Christmas. Let's keep it nice. You know, so he said, of whom I am the worst. And there it is right there. It is right there. Paul understood the severity of his sin before God, and it made him feel like the worst. Because you can't categorize sin. But the point is, is that he came to save people from their sins. And the whole difference between Jesus and Joshua, Jesus and the seven judges, Jesus and Moses, Jesus and any of the others, is that when he comes to save us from our sin, he saves us. Saves us from our sin. And so one of the things that we need to look at is that when he came, he came and saved us so fully from the horrible evil of sin. It's amazing that you go into the Western world and uh, they all hold up their goodness, you know. Uh, I don't, I've never harmed anybody. I've never done, I've never done, I've never done that. And right there is sin itself because it's pride and arrogance. I mean, how can we say that we are not sinners if God says we are sinners? You see, we compare ourselves from an earthly human point and we try and project onto God but God is so inutterably holy of purer eyes than to behold evil, the Bible says. Amen? So not even our independence, not even our good works qualifies us. And so, you know, um, he binds the whole world over and the whole world is held accountable because there's no one righteous, no, not even one, was Paul's conclusion. And so from this particular position that mankind found themselves in, Jesus, the Joshua, you know, the Son of God, Joshua, anointed to save. First thing he does, he comes and he saves us from the punishment of sin. You know that very quickly, that often it's portrayed that God is actively against sinners and evil. And God is not actively against. He's actively for them. He gave his only begotten Son that whoever might believe in him should not perish. But there's life and there's death, and he says, choose life. And so he who doesn't believe remains in the course of death. So it's not an active judgment of God. It's actually a passive place that you remain in under the judgment that is due on your sin. Is that okay? So he comes to save us from the punishment, the consequences of our sin, which is a really, really good thing. Amen? And therein he releases us from the condemnation of it. The second thing that he saves us from is the pollution of sin. Isn't that good? Saves us from the pollution of sin. Because sin stains. Sin affects. Sin corrupts. And so there's a, a, a polluting effect of sin in a in human being's life. If you just take God out of the world, you take any godly influence out of the world, the world can only decline. And that was the story around the Tower of Babel and the flood where it says that every inclination of man's thoughts was only evil all the time. 
and it relented God that he had created man. So man left on his own without godly influence will decline and degenerate. And we see it in civilization after civilization. There's a pollution that he cleanses us from and he instills his own life inside of us. Amen? The third thing that he takes away from us is the tendency, the inclination to sin. The inclination to sin. The tendency to sin. And um, isn't it amazing you know, you meet people that give their lives to Jesus, and they used to sin happily, you know, willingly, with great gusto, you know, felt nothing about it. And, and suddenly they become born again, and there's a sorrow over sin. And something that changes inside of a human being when Jesus comes into the life, not only the punishment, not only the pollution of it, but then the inclination, the tendency to sin is removed. Is that okay? And suddenly there's a desire to serve God, at least. There's a desire to live righteously because there's a transformation that takes place. There's a renewal in the hearts and minds of people. And last of all, Jesus came to save us. And this is a, this is a, a big fancy word. And uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, C.H. Spurgeon, used it when talking about this verse. He says, Jesus not only saved us from the punishment or the penalty of sin, not only the pollution of it, not only the tendency to sin, but he delivered us from apostasy. Apostasy, you look at throughout, especially the older translations of the Bible. Others use the word backslidings. He even came to heal us of those things. That there's a love in our heart for him that keeps us serving him all the way through forever. And so the work that he did when he came, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He saved us totally, in entirety. He didn't just deal with the consequences and keep having to forgive the consequences and keep forgiving the consequences. He changed the sinner and made the sinner a saint. And the Bible says it over and over again, and I will heal their backslidings. And I will heal their backslidings. And I shall heal their apostasies. And I shall heal. Amen. And so I want you to know there's a keeping power in that salvation. He will bring to completion, you know, um, every good work that he's begun in you until the day of Jesus Christ. So let's put the gift back in the box again and start wrapping up. There's many things that we can say about Jesus. Many, many things. Many good things. And, and there's other reasons why he came. But if we boil it right down to Christmas morning... You to give him the name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So he came into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. There's one little word, and I think all of you have done it. One little word. It's the lowest common denominator. This is the grace of God. This is the grace of God. The lowest common denominator for every human being, every human being. You know, I watch, um, it's been a joy to have Ryan and Rebecca with us, and, but just to see how Harrison, um, the amazing thing, you see it in, in him, you know, and he's, he's young, he's just starting to learn how to crawl and to do things, and, and um, so it's something that I used to do with Ryan, it's something I did with Eli. So you hold them in, in your arm like this, and you really grab the bottom part of the leg, and you teach them. And uh, you've got to be careful. You've got to always be alert from that point onwards. 
and, uh, and Harrison, who was doing it this morning, looking, big cheesy grin in his face. And I, I'm holding him, and then he gives me a big cheesy grin, puts his head back, and whoosh, throws himself backwards. You know, and then you bend down like this, and he's hanging, you know, dangling like this. And you pick him up, and then he does it again, whoosh, and throws himself backwards. You know, I did it. Daniel, the trust. But there's something in it as well that even at that age, there's a thing. It's trust, but let's, let's just take it on a bit. Is that there's a faith. God reduced this gift to the lowest human common denominator. If he had reduced it to money, few of us would be able to get saved. If he had said, all right, let's do it like this, good works, it would have um, eradicated a large proportion of the population because how many people could do good works? Because the wealthy, the rich, the talented would outshine us. And we wouldn't be able to. So there would always only be a portion who could get saved. But he puts it right down into the lowest common denominator, something that even a little, 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 little child can do, and that is believe in faith. And so that whole gift has come, and it's for everyone who believes. The lowest human common denominator. And he puts it into our hands, and he says, right, whoever believes, this gift is for you. Amen. So Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Come on, let's give God a hand for that. Thank you, Father.